Psalms 80, verse 18. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Good morning, good evening, and good night. I don't know if that's the third one. Anyway, hello and welcome. How have you been um, this evening? Yes, it's ridiculously late in the evening, but let's let's not talk about that. I wanted to talk about the Asbury Asbury revival. Um, oh, wow, I actually don't know. Hold on, let me get my Google search thing. I did read some stuff. I just did not realize. Oh. In Kentucky. Well, there you go. That was happening. The revival that is happening in Kentucky. Oh, well, it was happening. It kind of stopped now. I did not know much about it. Stuff was coming up in my news feed and I kind of didn't really give it much attention until it was like the 10th day. And I noticed, I'm like, what? What's this revival thing that's been going on for 10 days? I'm like, let me look into it a little bit. And so I did, and I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty big. This is kind of like a big deal. As so I started thinking, okay, so I have some, as this is the Connected Adventist podcast. By the way, my name is Catalina, just in case you realize that I'm not very um, structured in my intros. There's, most podcasters introduce themselves, but I don't. <laughs> I just leave you guessing on what my name is. But today, I thought I'd let you know. My name is Catalina, and I am the host of the Connected Adventist podcast. Um, since it is Adventist, I am going to speak of a much more Seventh-day Adventist perspective, I guess, from what I see, um, how this revival has been received, and I guess my own thoughts on this revival. So what I see on social media based on the people that I have in my social media um, accounts. There are Adventists and then there are non-Adventists. So this perspective, I guess, is going to come from what I have observed within Adventists and non-Adventists. There's, there seems to be a place where some people are like, really excited about the whole thing they're bringing it up and sharing and you know putting videos across and um yeah like they're just they're pretty pumped they're pretty pumped they think it's a pretty cool cool thing um and then you have the other side who are kind of like this is straight from the devil and this is the false prophets that we're talking about and um these are the heresies that have been shared in this revival and there's like, they don't even read the Bible. Ow. Oh, I just ripped my toe. Ow. Now it's bleeding. Ouch. Okay. Um, they don't even read the Bible. All they do is sing songs. And I was like, well, what do I think about this? So since I am the host of this podcast, I'm going to tell you what I think about this. <laughs> what I think about this. Um, and you can totally disagree because that's totally fine. I'm going to take the stance of 
hey, can we learn from this? I have sat with people and had conversations with people where they'll talk to me about like, oh, and, you know, the Jehovah Witnesses, they only go door knocking because it's part of like their salvation. And I get it. Super wrong. Not biblical. Like they have to earn certain rankings in heaven. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I've been told from people who used to be Jehovah Witnesses. Um, And they're kind of obligated to do a certain amount of hours. And if you kind of don't do those hours, like you're risking your salvation, basically. I could be wrong. That was just how it was shared with me. So I get that and I'm like, yes, that's totally not biblical. Um, In the sense of it being forced on their members I do believe like we should naturally want to share our faith like we shouldn't have to have someone telling us you have to do 30 hours of door knocking this week because if you're not you're not actually like a real disciple or um, you're risking like getting made a slave or a servant in heaven like I don't believe in that kind of stuff but I do think I'm like well you probably should be sharing your faith like if, if you're really that on fire. And if the gospel has done so much for your life, I feel like there has to be a natural part of you that wants to share it. When I talk to people about op shopping, like you can, you can feel my passion for op shopping. Like it's just, and I think that's the way like our, our faith should be as well. Like people should be able to feel how passionate we are about the love of God. So when people talk to me about like, oh, Jehovah Witnesses and whatever, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's not good. The way that they're kind of marketing <laughs> that idea of sharing your faith and being disciples and, you know, spreading the gospels to the ends of the world. But I'm like, but let's see what we can take away from that. What is something that is pretty like outstanding about the fact that they do what they do? I remember during covid when the Jehovah Witnesses couldn't knock on people's doors, you know what we were getting in our letterboxes? Handwritten notes, people. And it wasn't like a handwritten note that got photocopied. It, like it was because we checked with neighbors. It was literally every neighbor had a different letter. Now, I don't know if they got 10 people to write 10 different letters and that's just kind of what they randomly alternated. I don't care. I don't care. You know what I got during the pandemic when you couldn't door knock? I got handwritten letters in my letterbox in a rural town of Queensland. Like, I'm like, what could I have done during the pandemic to spread my faith? Like, to share it? Mm, yeah, okay. When people talk to me about, like, the Mormons, the um, Church of Latter-day Saints, Oh, but you know, those young, young men that are um, riding around in their bicycles, like they have to do that. Like they have to give a year to mission. I'm like, okay. I don't really know the story behind that as much because I don't have any like friends who used to be Mormons who can kind of give me the insights as a member. Um, I'm sure there's stuff I could find on the internet, but I just, I'm not about that business. But what's the takeaway from that? I'm like, wow, dedicating a year of your life to ministry. That sounds epic. Like, 
my takeaway is always like, what can I learn? Of course, it's, you know, heresy and it's apostasy and it's false teachings. Of course, like I'm, I'm, I have no issue with acknowledging that, but I'm like, mm, let me see the value in what they're trying to do. And I feel the same thing about this revival. I'm like, okay, yeah, they probably, again, this is just, I'm not even going to say the haters because I think that that in itself is not, like it's naturally going to make anything they say be like tainted with like a negative bias. But even the people that are like, there's nothing spiritual about this whole revival because it's not from God. The spirit of God is not there because, and they give their, their reasons. Some of them are legit. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I would like to hope that when there's a revival, like the word of God has been uplifted and um, that's been used to speak to our hearts uh, rather than just relying on the spirit, which we know between different denominations, the spirit takes very different forms and how that is manifested in people is very different. And so I'm like, yeah, like I feel like with the word of God, you just can't go wrong. It's God's word. So I'm, I'm with that. I sit with that. I accept that. I, I value that kind of observation because I do believe that at a revival, you would hope that the word of God is very present and um, even like a foundation, foundational core to that revival. But regardless, um, I'm like, what is that a takeaway? Guys, there was on average 15,000 people at that church auditorium I, I don't know what it is averaged 15,000 people and they had continuous services which means no one went to sleep for I believe it was like six or seven days where it was 24 six it was like six days I believe I could be wrong but it was a lot of days where no one went to sleep there was always someone there and they were singing songs. So primarily the service was worship in the form of singing. Um, I'm like, can we not take something positive about that? And the other thing is, it was done at a university campus. It was all young people. They actually capped the auditorium um, participants to 25 and under anyone who was over 25 had to go to like um, overflow rooms or they set up big screens in like massive lawns outside buildings and in courtyards where people could actually watch what was happening inside the auditorium outside because they wanted to prioritize the young people to be in that space so that they had that revival I'm like what's the takeaway there you're going to get oldies who always want to be in in the young people's business. Guess what? That's me. Like if, if I knew that was happening, happening at Avondale, guess what I'd be doing? I'd be going out and hanging out there. I still hang out at young adults Bible study. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you young adults don't like it when the old people are there, but I don't know. I can't, but anyway, let me not make excuses for my behavior. Okay. So I'm like, take away there. Guess what? They prioritize their young people because they realize, you know what? It is so important that we nurture and that we use this moment for our young people. You 40, 
well, 30 really, 30, 40, 50 year olds, this is not about you. And the reason why they did that, because the actual revival, that initial chapel service where um, students stayed to pray afterwards, it was the young people who started it. The first day of that revival was done with people under 25. I'm like, hmm. So yeah, let's keep this movement going for them. And then, you know, where everyone else fits, like be thankful that you fit somewhere. That's another takeaway that I got. Now, when it comes to this idea of like, oh, they're only just sung. My preference, my preference, and I think also it, it I think it'd just be a balanced um, way of worshiping would be with, prayer, the word of God and singing. Like if we overdid the singing or I don't feel you can overdo the praying, but at the same time, you know, I think it's still balanced to have some, some praise and worship and then to have prayer and then to have like Bible study. I I feel like those three things just work beautifully together and they allow for um, it to be, it allows for the word of God to speak in many different ways to many different people. Like some people receive a message very powerfully through a song and then others are just like, just give me the Bible. And then there are some people who are like, I feel most connected um, in prayer. So my preference and I think, you know, a more holistic approach would be Bible, prayer and songs. Even if it is just singing, I'm like, for you to have people singing, like, nonstop, 24 hours for six days a week, I'm like, can we not be encouraged by that? Like, even if it is just singing, can we not see the power of what is happening? The young people are choosing to sing songs throughout the night. Like, they're not resting. Like, oh... Anyway, I do believe it should be balanced, but at the same time, I'm like, there's still a takeaway there. I'm like, who of yous <laughs> who are criticizing however the format was, the structure, whatever, how many of yous have prayed throughout the night? How many of yous have read your Bible throughout the night? So then who are we to sit and criticize because young people have chosen to stay up and sing Praises to God throughout the night. Like, okay, that, what else? There was something else that I was kind of like, yeah, wow. Oh, okay. You had young people traveling hours and hours and hours. Once they heard that this revival was happening, once they heard, because apparently like, By the second day, it was kind of spreading throughout the university. And then by the fourth day, like Washington Post was reporting it. um, The TV stations were reporting. Then it became like quite a like a national thing because, yeah, the news got a hold of it. So you had young people road tripping to this university just to be part of this because they were like, what? This is amazing. We've got to be there. I want to participate. I want to be blessed. I want to be revived. Like, I want that. Let me drive to that. Let me take time to go to that. And I was just like, wow, that speaks volume. 
you know, just to stop whatever you're doing and to be willing to make the commitment to drive there, to invest there, to work out your accommodation, to get friends together, to go there. Like, oh, I feel like, you know, a little bit of me was like, oh, it's kind of like AYC where you get like a whole bunch of friends all like working out how they can all make it to this thing. And yeah, I was like, oh, it's kind of like an AYC, but 24 hours a day. I'm like, can you imagine? Like that's so much dedication, that's so much sincerity to be part of that when it's going throughout the night, all day and all night. Um, And yeah, I wonder how many of us would be willing to do that. I know, I know, I'm going to be totally honest. There are so many AYCs that I've wanted to go to and I'm like, "Mm, I can't. Oh, that's going to be expensive. Oh, by the time I get flights and this and that and... With my kids, I'm like, uh, like, I don't make the effort for a lot of things unless it's practical. And like this, this whole thing, there were so many people. That's another thing that stood out. The investment that people were willing to make because they just wanted to be part of it. They wanted to be revived so bad that they were willing to drive for hours sleep however they could, stand outside, not even be in the building, but that was good enough for them. Like they sincerely desired that. Another point that stood out is you had students from other universities, you had people from different denominations partaking in this revival. Even if it was out of curiosity, they would come because they wanted to see what was going on? How was God, you know, creating this massive movement? And whether you believe it was God or not, you know, that's totally up to you. But again, I'm saying, what's the takeaway? Even if it's of the devil, like what's the takeaway from the Asbury revival? What can I learn from that? And that was another one for me was like, you had different denominations joining together because they desired revival. They could see that there was something supernatural going on at that university, that they were able to put aside their differences. And I'm not into the ecumenical thing, so don't, don't, don't start thinking I'm taking you that direction. Uh, we're not going to be going to the Pope anytime soon. But what I do believe is that there was such a, such a sense of community that I'm like, even if we could find that within Adventism, Like if we could all put down our little whatevers and be like, let's all go to, I'm just going to say Mwollombar because that's my church. Let's all, let's go to Mwollombar. And regardless of what you think of Mwollombar, regardless of where you're at in your walk, like regardless of everything, we're just going to Mwollombar because that's where the revival is. Let's go to Kingscliff because that's where the revival is or... Let's go to Gold Coast, Reedy Creek. They're the only churches that I know in this area. So they're the only ones I'm I'm saying. Let's go to Reedy Creek because the revival is there. I know how Adventism is. Like some church members don't even want to step foot inside another church's like like church. Like we we got a lot of stuff that creates a lot of division between us that I'm like, wow. Different denominations were willing to put that aside 
for revival. I'm like, what could Adventism do to prepare themselves for revival? What, What could Adventism put aside so that we could experience revival? There were so many takeaways from this revival. And I think... I think we we fall we easily fall into this trap of like is that of God or is that of the devil? Hey guys, let's see what we can learn from them. Just like JWs, just like the Mormons, evangelicals. Like they're so like passionate about sharing their faith, like being super Christian, telling people like can I pray for you? Can we pray for healing? Um Like they're just so public about their faith. Can we learn about that? Can we learn from them about how to be more public about our faith and not be so discreet and like kind of like kind of we don't want them to know we're actually Adventist until we like get offered a ham and cheese pizza and then we've got to kind of tell them we're vegetarian and whatever, you know. Like they're just like, nah, guys, like I just just don't eat ham. Like they just don't – it's almost like they have no shame. Um, and you know, that has it pros and cons, like some people kind of get a little bit overwhelmed with how, um, public or in your face evangelicals can be, but I'm like, let's get the takeaway for us. The takeaway is, Hey, it's a privilege to be a Christian. It's an honor. And to be able to pass the gifts, the peace, the belonging, the self-worth, the love that God gives us, to be able to pass that on to someone else because we were open about our faith. Whew. Like that, that's the takeaway from evangelicals. Um, and I believe with so many, you know, other faith groups, they all have their takeaway. What could it be for us? Probably the Sabbath. Like that's probably the biggest thing. And then the health message is usually what most people know about Adventists. But yeah, there was so much that I, I took away from this revival. And to think that it went, I think it was in total 13 days. And it just was the only reason why they had to stop it was because there was too many people coming onto the university campus and it was getting out of control. They couldn't manage it. Can you imagine that? They reckon in total the campus received between 50,000 to 70,000 people came for services during that time. What a revival. Can you imagine 70,000 people going away after 13 days of just singing songs, even if it is just songs? After 13 days of singing songs, 70,000 people have left with their flame rekindled for Jesus. How powerful. How powerful. So, yeah, so that's all I have to say. How many? Wow, I can't even see. 23 minutes. Okay, I think that's that's long enough. I could, you know I could keep on talking about it, but they're my takeaways. Yes, we can question, we can doubt, we can criticise, And we can also oversee things that maybe are worth considering and that maybe are like a legit concern. But let's, 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 let's get the positive takeaway of how beautiful it would be for 50,000 people from all different denominations to come to Avondale University because they realized that there was a revival there. They realized that our students, 25 years and under, 
were praying, singing and reading their Bibles all day and all night. Ugh! Wowee! If only, hey? If only. All right. Until next time, my prayer, my hope and my desire is that you stay warm in God's love, that you stay cool for Jesus' name and may the fire of the Holy Spirit rekindle that flame, ignite that first love and may we learn from the Asbury Revival that revival is special. There's something, yeah, when we experience a revival after we've lost our first love, that's so strong, so powerful, that it will naturally draw others closer to Jesus. And it will actually be contagious. People will want a part of that. When they realize that, you know what, maybe my faith has kind of become dormant. Maybe I've kind of just become like lukewarm. Maybe I'm just like very complacent right now, but I just saw so-and-so have this revival. I want that. Revival is contagious. So, yeah, let's spread it. All right. See you. Ciao for now.